Like, is it a spiritual realm? Mm. But he knew there was an ideal form. So the parable of the cave goes something to this effect. Uh, I'm going to try to paraphrase sure. it. Now, you sure this is not like the name of like an underground club? <laughs> Because that's society. what it sounds like. It sounds, I mean, this sounds like something from my Jahiliya, man. <laughs> I'm just making sure we're having the same conversation. You know, a Muslim should not reveal another Muslim's past. You yeah. know what I mean? So you cover, just, you just make, cover you. Yeah, let's make brother. sure we're on the right page here. <laughs> Which cave we going to? Yeah, exactly. I just want to make sure. The parable or the, the allegory of the cave, as you'll explain in a minute. But now, the, I think the important part to remember with it as well is that this is also tied into... Plato's notion of the noble lie. Welcome back to the Middle Ground Podcast. I'm your host, Amen Mark, from Middle Ground Muslim Center. And in this episode, episode five, I'm going to be joined again by Brother Dawood Aleman. And we're going to interview a very close friend of ours and a very dear brother, Navid Siddiqui, who is both an engineer and a dedicated Muslim. And in this episode, episode five, Dawood and I are going to talk with Naveed and we're going to explore such topics as are we living in a simulation? But more importantly, to what extents can we indulge scientific speculation? And at what point do we simply have to accept this is what Allah Ta'ala says about our reality? And this is part one of an ongoing series that we'll be doing with Brother Naveed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Okay, okay. But then at five, you you guys burnt burnt rubber. Wow. Okay. So so anyway, um, went into engineering, because I used to always watch sci-fi movies on TV, Star Trek fan from the beginning. Okay. Okay. All right. The whole world. I'm not one of those crazy guys that are going to the no cosplay. Convention. No cosplay. Just, <laughs> just okay. Alhamdulillah. No cosplay. So yeah, no cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I got into engineering. I know it's a Desi's uh, a metaphor for anything that doctor, you lawyer, do. engineer, yeah, man. Yeah. You only got three choices in life. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But it was because I wanted to build my own amp, guitar amp. Interesting. Aha. See? I didn't know oh, how to okay. do it, so I brought these schematics i did not read them so anyway finally um graduated from uh, a university to get my electrical and power engineering degree got married um then went back to get my master's in business then got involved with um photovoltaics i started working for first at intel microchips so i was in their processing manufacturing plant then i moved to southern california back that was in oregon but and then um Went work for Boeing for 15, 16 years. Wow. And then from then on, started my own company, Acubit, with LiDAR cameras. And then now doing consulting and working for uh, he, he, Solar. You know, you said he's the Tony Stark. I, I'm thinking he's more like the MacGyver of middle ground. America, this, this guy. Yeah. I know. he's a, He built a flamethrower. We'll get in that one maybe sometime. <laughs> so when... When uh, Mr. X uh, from uh, Twitter, yeah, Elon Musk did his uh, flamethrower bit and put it on eBay or whatever, so he was on sale. Uh, Naveed's son said, "Hey, Dad, let me let's buy one of those," and he said, "Buy one? We can make one." (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm sorry, he's MacGyver, man. I mean, I, beyond MacGyver, he's the man. He's he's the man. I man. have some videos I can show you. Yeah, that would be good. <laughs> where we made the flamethrower. <laughs> that was great. I don't usually say those in normal circles <laughs> because I'm <laughs> label me as a. <laughs> I hear you on a no fly. Don't worry, list. you're no fly, exactly. You're in you're in rare fly company. Hands, right, None good. of us are going anywhere. None of us are going to fly anywhere. So you're good, man. You're uh, good. We're all on a no fly list here. So alhamdulillah, we're all lumped in the same category. Yeah, you joined the club. It's a small club. (laughs) So that's pretty much uh, my background. I was always interested in physics, science, uh, especially physics, and and then psychology, which is consciousness. So those two, three things. Oh, man. uh, My sister majored in psychology, so I would read her books sometimes (laughs) just for fun. Right, right. That's kind of where I'm at at this point. Okay. Welcome, Naveen. Thank you. It's really good to have you. So I came across a, a video. I, I dibble and dabble in all these uh, physics concepts sometimes and uh, get lost, and that's when I call you up and, and ask you, <laughs> man, what are they talking about over here? But um, there's a show on uh, YouTube called Impact Theory, and the host, uh, Tom, I forget his last name, usually has some very interesting guests. And one of his guests was uh, Professor Donald Hoffman. Yes. And Hoffman himself. He, yes. His claim to fame, so to speak, or his, his work is uh, the concept of conscious realism. Yes. The, the Hoffman prophecies. The Hoffman. We went from the Mothman. The Mothman. <laughs> the Mothman prophecies to the Hoffman prophecies. Not David Hasselhoff, right? Yeah, the Hasselhoff <laughs> prophecies. All right. So, exactly. So he... Um, he had some very interesting concepts. First time I ever heard of him. And so I, I, I called up Naveed and I said, hey, man, we got to do a show on this, a reaction, because it's kind of blowing my mind. But for me, I listen to a lot of, you know, theoretical approaches from here and there. And they're, for me, they're, they're like, they threw the dart, it hit the board, but not the bullseye. And I give credit to Professor Hoffman because he does allude to this greater consciousness which we're just going to say this is god and your mathematical models he uh, mentions just we can't even get to that point like we can have our mathematical models that are kind of uh alluding to all these smaller agents if you will such as human beings but that's very generous of you. Cause well, I yeah, we, we just we just Sorry. can't get to to that great consciousness. There's some, our math doesn't go that far, and for me, yeah, well, of course not, because <laughs> it's comprehensible. But maybe you can enlighten us a little bit more, Naveed, on on this concept and maybe his background or what you might know. See, Donald Hoffman um, has actually kind of stirred the pot in terms of the scientific community. Mm. It kind of puts certain things on its head because what he's saying to scientists is that you cannot trust what you experience or see. You can only trust the perception of it. And so his question was, are human beings that are even able to understand reality? Do we even have the right tools? Hmm. Right? Do we, uh, do we see uh, reality as it truly is? But the thing is that this is not something new. Uh, Hoffman is not the first one. You can go back in history and you can see it with Immanuel Kant, who's, who basically said we can never access or have access to the unfiltered things in itself of objective reality. Mm. That means even if you see something, 
doesn't mean the other person is seeing the same thing. How do you know if okay. you're looking at the color red that the other person is experiencing inside of his head the same hue of red, mm. same darkness, tone, contrast? We don't know that. So okay. everybody's perception yes. is slightly different, right? You, you've seen those uh, optical illusions where they show a Rubik's Cube in this light and it looks bright, but when you take it into the dark light, it looks like a different color, mm -hmm. but it's actually the same color. Right. Just the surroundings change it. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's what I think is Hoffman is just tapping into something that we already knew from Plato's cave. I mean, we're kind of familiar with uh, parable of the, the We cave. are, but the, some people may not. What, what is the parable of the cave? Well, essentially, I think uh, Plato hit on the idea as a form that what we see is just a, uh, on a close approximation to the reality that exists elsewhere. And he couldn't really put it into words of what elsewhere is. Like, is it a spiritual realm? Mm. But he knew there was an ideal form. So the parable of the cave goes something to this effect. Uh, I'm going to try to paraphrase sure. that. Now, you sure this is not like the name of like an underground club? <laughs> Because that's society. what it sounds like. It sounds like you know, it sounds like a good uh, club name. This sounds like something from my Jahiliya, man. <laughs> I'm just making sure we're having the same conversation. You know, a Muslim should not reveal another Muslim's past. You yeah, know what I mean? You so cover, just, let's, you let's make, cover, you got to cover. Yeah, let's make brother. sure we're on the right page here. <laughs> Which cave we going to? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just want to make sure. So the, 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 the parable or the, the allegory of the cave as you'll explain in a minute. But now, the, uh, I think the important part to remember with it as well is that this is also tied into Plato's notion of the noble lie. So I think both of these have to be talked about to have a complete understanding. Right. And so go ahead and, and, and fill us in so, briefly. So the allegory of the cave is essentially a cave that comes in where, imagine where people are born t with the chains tied inside the cave they cannot leave and what they can only see is the uh, cave wall in front of them mm. and then there's a fire behind them to the opening of the cave yeah and as objects are shadowed on the wall the people inside the cave can only see the shadows and they think that's reality right because so that, they also have no prior knowledge exactly right? so all the all they've known in this life is the life in the cage that's correct. in the in the cage in the cave and these figures or these shapes light is cast upon them and creates shadows upon the ca the, the wall of the cave and people interpret this as reality and perceive it as oh that's what it is but the puppet master right which is essentially in the story of the allegory of the cave, which is Plato, right? Or perhaps Socrates, depending mm -hmm. on Plato. how you understand, right? Well, I mean, just like who, he, yeah. right, who is really talking here is that uh, he knows that it's not real. And so he's pointing out that if human beings, if all they know, right, is, is, is if that's all their experiences, then that's what they'll think is the truth. Correct. Mm -hmm. and, and he kind of uh, states that, that in order for us to... To see true reality, we have to break free from the constructs of what we're seeing and look beyond. So look outside the cave and walk outside. And his whole point is that when he walks outside the cave, there's a moment of stress on the person mm. that they can't understand because it's your reality has been, your paradigm yeah. has been changed. Yeah. 
So now when you come out, let's say you saw a shadow of a, of a cow passing by, and you, but when you actually come out and you see a three-dimensional cow, mm. the colors and outside, it just shocks your mind. And then you're so excited about it. After a while, you come to terms with it. You come back in and you tell your friends, like, hey, and they think, number one, you're crazy. Right. They don't want to accept the truth because you saw something. And this is very synonymous to many people who become enlightened. They see a certain reality that has been given to them or, you know, they come upon it, many yeah. enlightened people. Spire and then they come back them. and they tell others, hey, I saw this or I experienced this. Nobody believes you. I mean, our Prophet ﷺ was very similar when he went on the Miraj, right? Mm. And, and the Kufar were like, come on, man, you you did what? <laughs> and then they went to Abu Bakr. That's right. Siddiq, right? Or the Lahan, and they're like, do you really? Come on, man. You're talking about flying in the clouds with a beast and some other stuff. And, you know, he said that what? If Muhammad, if he said if he, he said went, it, he went. That's true. Right? And so, you know, maybe one thing to throw into, you know, the, the, the first monkey wrench I'll throw into it is that, I don't think you will, and the Quran will talk about this. You're not going to be able to beat out of your experience and your perception a, a, an incontrovertible truth. That ultimately it comes down to meaning and belief and faith and you trust. You have to take certain and things trust. faith. Right. Which, which we know like in Islam, Iman is rooted in also the idea of also like being safe and secure trust. Correct. So, you know, when we say faith, it's like, well, what, you know, what's the etymology of that? Eh, you know, many people won't even know. But for us as Muslims, faith, the Arabic term Iman, the Quranic term Iman, is like ultimately it comes down to meaning. And that's my issue with Hoffman, the Hoffman prophecies, the Mothman prophecies here, <laughs> is that... At the end of the day, he don't seem no more convinced of his own stuff. He's just trying to tell people like, hey, you can't believe in this and that. But then he don't seem to have nothing he believes in. Right. Well, he. Well, I got to get back to Abu Bakr Siddiq. One thing, the, the, the shocker here too, the reality that he brings after he says, yeah, if he said that that's true. And he said, and by the way. I believe he's getting revelation from the sky from God above. Right. So what's hard for me to believe about each other? Whatever. So, you know, bringing the uh, deeper reality to the Quraysh at the time is like, hey, man, that's nothing. Right. <laughs> I believe he's re receiving words from God. And, and even you've, you've got to also remember that sometimes even when people see the truth, they still deny it. Yeah. Right. right? That. Allah says about the many men and the many jinn that he will fill up the hellfire with. with that he says, like, you know, they have hearts, but they don't comprehend. They have eyes, but they don't see. Correct. Right? So the idea, and I, I did this actually, I think, on, on the substack the other day where I talked about, you know, there's, there's many words in, in, from the sort of Islamic point of view that equate with seeing. And that also interrelate with understanding. So you have like ra'a, which is to see, that can involve ocular vision. You have nadara, that can also involve right empirical ocular vision. But then they also can mean like ra'ya, like oh, I can formulate an opinion. And of course, you have people that are umi, that are blind, but they they can absara, they can see, they have basira, and they can comprehend. Mm. You know, and so it's true. I think that you know what you see may not necessarily be, and that's, I mean, that's the great thing, like, no matter 
what capacity of sight that you have, even if it's amplified greatly in the telescopic or microscopic realm mm -hmm. through technology and innovation, you cannot see God. And that's like Bani Israel, right? The children of Israel are like, you know, We are not going to believe in you, Moses, or your alleged Lord, even though, yeah, he did kind of save us from Pharaoh. <laughs> but we're not going to believe and be secure until we see God with our own eyes. Right. <laughs> I remember that verse from the Quran. Yes. Jahratan, like we're not going to, until it's apparent, like Zahiran. And, like, well, and that, that, <clears throat> that solidifies the fact God has presented all of these signs, miraculous signs, and from their perception, they still gravitated towards what they their habitual practice of worshiping the cow, worshiping other things, because that's what they could see tangibly, so to speak, right? So to convince somebody, I mean, like they Allah says in the Quran, what do they want a rope brought down so they and can even, climb and up even it? Even and even if, if they <laughs> did, even if we were to open up a door in the heavens and they could climb up. <clears throat> they would still have their conjecture. Right. So America, what's it going to take for us to wake up and see the reality throughout the illusion? Or rather to believe in the reality that you cannot see. But the thing right? is... I mean, that's the real... Yeah. When are you going to wake up and believe in the reality that you cannot see and you cannot touch and you cannot taste <clears throat> and you cannot smell? Right. I mean, the, the reality is that whether you believe in something other than Allah, you will still believe. It's human nature to believe in something. You've been listening to the Middle Ground Podcast. Again, your host here, Imam Mark. And we've been talking here in episode five with Brother Navid Siddiqui, the MacGyver of Middle Ground. Hope you've enjoyed the conversation thus far. Stay tuned. We'll be out with part two very, very soon. As always, if you've got any questions, comments, or requests, leave them below in the comments, or you can hit us up on our various social media accounts. Inshallah, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Assalamualaikum.